It is. <laughs> Day four. You caught Number me. 86. There we go. <laughs> with the man, Frank Scalish. We've talked largemouth. We've talked smallmouth. We've talked largemouth and smallmouth. We've talked spotted bass and largemouth. But we haven't really talked straight up spotties. My favorite species, Uncle Frank. I'm going to agree. I, I, listen, I love smallmouth, um, but I have a thing for spotted bass. I do. It's weird to me that some people are not spotted bass fans. How could you not be a spotted bass? It combines the best of every species. Right. Oh, yeah. And spotted bass are crazy. I mean, they're out of their ever-loving mind. Um, that's why I love fishing for them so much. And when you get a really big spotted bass, that's exciting. I mean, I, I pr- probably um, I don't get a chance to fish for spots that much. I mean, I do a lot, but I, I don't. I have to make a conscious effort to go somewhere where they're at. Smallmouth are right in my backyard. Um, I've been catching big smallmouth my whole life. So when I catch a really big spotted bass, I'm like super pumped, like super pumped. That's the topic of day four, number 86 today, spotted bass. First of all, what are you sipping on there, Uncle Frank? You got hottie toddy to kick things off for 86? (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to believe this. First of all, I got black rifle coffee in here. Oh, you do? Yeah, and it's the uh, CAF brand, (laughs) caffeinated as all get out. And, um, and I got, I have a new, uh, BTL mug from a, from a fan and it's, and it says it's a Yeti mug. It says BTL on it. And it's got old uncle Frank on the back. I was really pumped. I didn't, I didn't realize this was going to happen, but it, I I got Kermit's customs, Kermit's customs. I swear this guy dm'd me and and we went back and forth a couple of times and um lo and behold i got i i got a surprise in the mail the other day and this is my new official coffee mug and no more of that pink cleveland mug and no more of my beat up green trashed mug this is my official the real thing the yeti the the real thing man i'm 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 actually nervous to bring this in the boat with me (laughs) because <laughs> I don't want to lose it. No, nah, you'll be good. So big shout out to Kermit's Customs for hooking uh, Uncle Frank up. A huge shout out. A hu- and Black Rifle Coffee for giving me the shakes this morning. See, I got... I... Right there, I got the Black Rifle. Not a sponsor of the show, but they sponsor a lot of people in fishing, have been very supportive of professional fishing and tournament fishing over the last several years. Also uh, employ a lot of uh, veterans, and I believe it is right. veteran-owned, uh, and there's actually a, one that's just down the road here in Morn every once in a while. Well, the, the, Black Rifle. the irony of it is, is I've ne- I never heard of it before, and my son, um, Noah, was in the Marine Corps, and, um, and then, and, you know, Frankie was in the army, but Noah was in the Marine Corps and he sent me a, a bag of CAF from black rifle, which is caffeinated as I'll get out. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, we drank it, I liked it. And, um, 
and now and now that's it. Now, now we it's have history. Two, uh, yeah, we're drinking two two kinds. We're drinking CAF and firefighters. Like I said, so, not a sponsor plug. Have nothing to do no, with that. No, I just you know I'm I'm like I'm I'm meat and potatoes and everything. Yeah. Just meat and potatoes and um like to me the to me the the perfect cup of coffee is Maxwell House or McDonald's coffee. Um, I hate all other coffees. So the long and short of it is this is the only just for other the passion. Just hate it. Don't right. even dislike it. You just no, I just hate don't. I coffee. hate it. And so so for the record, um, you know, the, these are the only co- this is the only coffees I drink. Um, and I'm not a coffee snob. I'm just not. But I can't go into a coffee shop and say I, I want you know, black coffee and they go, Oh, do, do you want a grande, a latte or whatever, whatever? It's, no, it's just, want a coffee. just black coffee, just black coffee in a cup. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. we digress again as yeah. usual. Well, well, let's go. Let's do, let's get into, before we get into the spotted bass though, um, yeah, yeah. last week recorded show this week, we will be live back, uh, next week, day one of the red river for me, uh, currently as this show, uh, airs, on BTL and the podcast platforms, but uh, last week you were uh, you were talking about the fall in love with fishing specials that were over on on LureNet.com, primarily walleye last week. Well, and, and square bills and square bills, but um, but he, so here's what we got: every week is going to be different lures at fifty percent off, but what's going to remain all month is twenty percent off the six pack bundles. So if you got, you know, mobster swim jig, six pack bundle, 20% off, whatever bundles are offered 20% off. Now, unfortunately the 20% off does not include the new canary color that Normans are in. Um, but they're relatively inexpensive and especially in today's world. So you got to check out the new Norman canary colors. It's, it's a, it's not a new color. It's a bring back. Um, as I said last week, some colors should never go away, and this was one of them. So, so now it's back, and it's a LureNet exclusive. But we did do a limited run on them to start, so they 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 will run out. I meant to ask you this last week, and I didn't because you talked a lot about the canary color, why it works, how it blends in, great for right. small mouth and large mouth. Why do some colors go away, especially popular colors? We seem to see that across brands. What, yeah. what, what is the reasoning behind that? Why do some colors that people really like, like who's making that decision going, man, I know this is a jammer color, but well, we're just sick <laughs> of painting it. Well, it's not, it's not that. What happens is sometimes colors wane. They fall out of favor. Um, even though they're fantastic colors, new colors are constantly being created, obviously. And um, they, new colors have a tendency to trend, uh, worse than the old colors get flat. And some, some lure companies have a, a threshold. If we don't sell X amount, we have to discontinue it. Ah, so and, I see what you're saying. So it's all based on a threshold. And um, unfortunately... Uh, a lure company can't keep every single color in stock that's ever been made. I don't know. Have you ever seen the Robo Worm selection? Uh, too much inventory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just too much inventory to handle. So, so they have to have some formula. Now, sometimes good colors get caught up in the mix. Okay, like here, look, chartreuse and blue should never go away. Lavender shad. 
never go away. You know what I mean? But sometimes they get caught up in the mix. And, and so, you know, we have the opportunity to bring back some of these colors, then re- get a resurgence on them and then put them back in the line. So that's kind of how it works on the color schemes. Um, but we can't forget the, the um, fall in love with fishing sale because this week, now you got to get ready for this because this week is bass fishing week. Um, spinner baits, buzz baits, topwaters, um, all on sale, 15% off. So right. you got to you got to check it out. Now the week next, of the 20 22nd. Right. Now next week is kind of cool too because now next week um they're going to start transitioning into the wintertime baits. So next week's going to be swim jigs and right. swim baits. So that's the week and, of the 29th. Yeah, 29th through the 5th will be okay. swim jigs and swim baits and then of course Matt you're going to love this. Um once we get to the first week in October, October 6th through the 12th, it's crappie time. Uh, Crappie jigs, crappie plastics, crappie crankbaits, all that stuff will be blown out at 15%. Uh, Speaking of crappie, I would like to mention really quick, selfishly, well, not selfishly, it's kind of a a donation deal. Uh, Matt uh, Looney, uh, who we had on the show last week, talked a little bit about it, uh, does a a non-profit organization called bass for beckers he's got a uh eight-year-old nephew and every year for the last four years he's done uh 25 dollar raffle tickets to give away his skeeter uh this year i believe it's an fxr uh at the end and they've raised over like a hundred thousand dollars each year through this uh for that charity for for beckers and this month, September through September, if you go to the bassforbeckers.com and buy a ticket, you are not only eligible for the uh, giveaway at the end of the year for the boat, but also a drawing at the end of the month for a winter crappie trip with me. Oh, sweet. in Oklahoma. So, yeah. so this, so you're gonna, you could for twenty bucks, you could win a twenty five, twenty five bucks. You could get you could to go, yes, and supplementally go fishing with me too. So if you could, but but if you win the random drawn. Uh, random drawing this month for September. If you buy a ticket in December, like I'm the, it was like fish with Polinic one month. Like I mean, it's it, it, oh, cool. it goes so down. Give away like a graph one month. So the September one is a is a winter crappie trip with me somewhere in Oklahoma. I can't say the name names of the lake. It's kind of like your Ohio lakes. You don't just no. go blurting them out, right? No, you can't do that. But I'll like fillet them, clean them, vacuum pack them. You get to go home if as long as they're under two pounds. I want to go. So anyway, that's the crappie thing. But uh, you can go on, then you said that week of October, it's, it's a crappie deal. On right, October 6th through the 12th, it's all crappie. Um, the 29th of September through October 5th, swim jig, swim baits. And of course, this week, spinner baits, buzz baits, top waters, 15% off, lurenet.com. I can't get over every time you take a sip of that coffee. It is, it's such a flex. I am with the BTL with the BTL logo on it. I am so happy you don't even know. And this uh, coffee is like liquid lava. <laughs> that's thing, fantastic. All right, bad. are we uh, are we ready to dive into the world of the mystical and quirky? Quirky is a good way to describe a spotted bass. Would you not say quirky? I will say quirky aggressive. I I absolutely love these fish beyond belief. Let me see. I have characterized by peculiar or unexpected traits. Quirky. Quirky. They are a quirky bass. 
Oh, almost, almost dropped these. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving. I, I'm leaving. <laughs> All right, have at it, Uncle Frank. The, the floor is yours. The floor is mine. I almost dropped everything on my desk on the floor, to be honest with you. I'm putting um, you big screen. Big Teach screen. us about the spotted bass. Set the right, scene so, for us. We're, okay. Wait, wait. We got a lot to cover here. We have a lot to cover. And um, quite frankly, what we're going to do is we're going to go through fall through winter. Um, I'm going to uh, touch on key elements to look for um, fall through winter. Um, things you should never, never, never overlook. Uh, things you should look for. I'm even going to go through lure choices. I'll keep the lure choices kind of um, broad. We won't do a deep dive into every single bait you can use. Uh, mostly it's going to be about location and what to look for and how to catch them, basically. Okay. All right. So let's talk. I'll say now what's going on right now is, is and, 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 and you guys got a reference, the um, – Blueback Herring Show, the Gizzard Chad Show, and the Threadfin Show. Um, reference those shows. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about these bait fish, but I'm not going into detail on them. I'm just gonna mention them, and you know. So if you if you need more detail, go back and look at those shows. So here here it is. So right now, this time of year, and maybe maybe more in a few weeks, but it, but you're gonna start to see schooling activity. All right, the bass are going to start busting on shad. You're going to see the birds running around. And, of course, the stripers are going to start busting on them too. But but for the most part, the spotted bass do the exact same thing. Um, now, you'll know that from the, the – you'll know from previous shows, the bluebacks are starting to make their migration. Gizzard shad are, and so are threadfin. So the, all the bait's starting to get together and – the bait's starting to school up and the bass are taking advantage of the schooling activity. But here's the crazy thing, because I hear this all the time. People will say, oh, they were busting over there and then they were busting over there. And then in the morning, I couldn't find them busting anymore. You know what I mean? Well, well schooling activity is really not random. It appears to be random to the casual observer, but it's not really random. So here's what we're going to look at. Like in late summer, what I do is I'll look at main lake, high spots, long points that go way out into the lake, shoals, um, look for creek channels, the, the, you know, the really defined creek channels because they'll spend, suspend over them. And then you're going to want it. They're going to always relate to structure. Here's the crazy thing. They always relate to structure but they're going to be way above it. In other words, there might be a, a high spot in 28 feet of water, and those shad will be above that structure, mm -hmm. okay? So so now you're, you, you could see how the randomness comes out of it. Relating to structure, but not but, on it. They're right. They're relating. Okay. To structure. It's like if you ever have been to the Bass Pro Shops or the Cabela's tank and you see there's a, a rock down there or if you go to the state fair and they have it, you will often see fish that are relating to the one tree in the tank, but are way above the tree just under the surface. Perfect analogy. It's perfect. So they're going to relate to these structural elements. Now, remember, you know, from the the 
bait fish shows we did, these these bait fish are starting to migrate towards the creeks and towards big long pockets. Okay. So they're making their movement, but they don't go one at a time. They'll go in mass. They'll school up and they'll start traveling through the system and go in mass. Something that I look for, especially this time of year, well, I'll look for this stuff all year, but especially this time of year. And as we get closer to winter, it gets even more prevalent. I call them runoff fishers. They're, they're places in the lake that only have water flow during or after heavy rainfall. And, and you see it. I've seen it on Smith Lake a million times where water is pouring over the mountainside and coming into the lake. Oh, on any other given day, there would be no flow there. So I call them fishers. These things here, and I might, I might actually have an illustration of it. I do. I know I do because I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so these things are, can you guys see it? Because I, yep, I looks I'm, fantastic. I'm looks okay, fantastic. So, so these things are fishers. So the rain yep. comes, the water plows through these cracks, these small cracks. That's the bank. That's like a. This is the bank where the water yep. meets the bank. This is the ridge or the mm -hmm. bluff or a ridge. This is the water flow. It flows in through here. It's going to blow out in here. It's going to create eddies and current. Okay. The, 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 tricky, the tricky part about this is you want to always look for these when it rains, but you have to still be near the bait fish. Because what happens is when that water starts blowing out of here, all the bait fish that are in the vicinity, they all run in here. They all run up to this running water. And the bass follow them. The spotted bass follow them. Now, I've had some remarkable days just targeting those. And traditional lures play here, okay? Shaky heads, um, spinner baits. You know, it, they play in those situations. Just typical, normal, everyday spotted bass lures that you throw. Play, even drop shots and everything. Mm -hmm. So I always look for fishers, especially in, during the rain or right after the rain. Opportunistic, always. though. Like, it's not like yeah. four days before a tournament. You can no. What you have to do is know where they are. Maybe pre-scout them if you know weather is coming in. Right. And then and, the day that you're fishing, start running them. Right. And, and here, see if there's running. Right. And I'll tell you, they're the easiest things in the world to find if you use really? your eyes. Because here's what happens. You, you look at the terrain. You see the terrain make a, make a ditch. Okay. Like a little valley. Run the boat over. Look at it. If it's clear of leaves and debris. Okay. You know it's getting runoff. Because it pushes everything off the rock bed that's on the rock bed. It pushes everything off. And you'll literally see debris piled up like leaves and whatever on the sides and that one drain will be clean it'll be like somebody raked it out and cleaned it there won't be garbage in it okay now the other thing about these fishers that people you got to realize is that stuff comes out of them and goes into the lake so usually below these things you might have branches and brush and stuff like that because it, it gets shoved down there in the heavy rainfall and goes in there. And then look at the bank, too, because if you see fallen trees on the bank 
or broken trees on the bank, you can bet your bottom dollar that the rest of that tree is somewhere in the water over there. So you could use your eyes and you can you can really figure this out. So on the on these choices for let's say this starting stage, okay, we're going to call this the starting stage of fall, where everything's starting to move, everything's starting to bunch up, they're starting to school. The the lure choices there's a, quite a few, okay, but because you, you can't ever get rid of traditional spotted bass stuff like shaky heads and drop shots jig worms you can't ever get rid of you know and jigs of course you can't ever really get rid of that stuff because this is too way too early in the season to start narrowing that down so top water choices for me are pretty simple i'm going with spooks spook juniors and now because the little boyo came out now the little boyo because that's a bite-sized nugget for a spotted bass okay so and then of course i'm going to throw swim baits on jig heads like the scottsboro swim bait you know right here you guys are familiar with the scottsboro swim bait and there's a new bait out now it's called the the uh, ff minnow the ff sonar minnow this thing christy minnow that uh he yeah. won a classic on yeah this is bad to the bone dude and this is bad to the bone on smallmouth too okay this is tennessee shad i mean this this is essentially a lot look at that this is alive okay this is one of the best bait fish imitators i've ever seen um now they this one's called tennessee shad but i'll tell you right now this is emerald shiner on lake erie all day long like this is this is money okay so this is this is actually one of my favorite colors then another color that i like especially for spots in the in the shaddy type lakes this is actually called goby but if you look at this bait, it's got blue pearl in it and purple metal flake in it. If I can get it to flash. No, it's, it's flashing. Okay. And purple metal flake. Th this is a great shad imitator. It's got a, more of a solid belly, more of a little transparent gray back. This is a, this is a money color, especially if the water's clean. And then uh, the go-to color is basically, it's just pearl. I'm trying to get it to. There you go. There it look is. Look at that. Look how beautiful that is, right? Now, the mm -hmm. pearl one's nice because you could doctor this up with a, you know, with a uh, Sharpie or a highlighter pen. You can do you can doctor this up and you could add a touch of color in it, whatever you want, or fish it as is. I mean, this is a, this is a dynamic color also right here. So, so the, the, that's, that's, you know, jig head stuff, okay? Jig head swim baits, uh, jig head, um, forward-facing minnows and then of course underspins play underspins in my opinion always play on a spotted bass lake um because if they're suspending on my 2d sonar when i see them directly under the boat i drop a spoon on them or i'll drop an underspin right on their head or i'll drop a drop shot straight down on them i stop it about you know two feet above them and you know in one nanosecond that they're active because they'll your bait will start to go down and they'll start to come up for it. It's video game fishing at its finest. Now, a bait that I think is probably overlooked a lot these days because of everything new that's coming into the marketplace are spinner baits. Um, windy points and rain. That spinner bait can be fantastic. 
Um, I've had days on spotted bass where the spinner bait was money and I'm burning it over points, windy points, and I'm keeping it three feet underneath the surface. I can see the blades flashing all the way to the boat and then boosh, and these fish are coming up from 10 to 12 feet away from it to get it. So that spinnerbait can never be overlooked from now until winter, because if the conditions are right, you can't beat it. You just can't beat it. And then one thing I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about a lot of things, and I'm going to reiterate this a thousand times before this show is over. You never, never, never overlook brush piles in a spotted bass lake, ever. I don't care what time of year it is. Matt's laughing at me. <laughs> don't they re- laugh. They relate to the brush. Oh, they 365. Are, they are on it. They are absolutely on it. I've never seen any fish as predictable in my life as spotted bass and brush piles. That is just... Mm-hmm. just now, the problem up. sometimes you run into, especially on a spotted bass fishery, is once you hook said spotted bass off brush pile, they tend to want to see where their friend went and it yes. may take them five to ten minutes to get back to the brush pile exactly and you'll and you'll know and but i can tell you a trick for that guys okay is that i didn't want to ju- get ahead of the show here actually i wasn't going to mention it but but now that you brought it up i'm going to mention it um whenever i'm brush pile fishing for spotted bass i've always got a crankbait tied on usually a deep little end um if I land a spot from a brush pile and I see three or four coming up with them, I start chucking the deep little end out there, even though I know it's probably not going to get deep enough to get to that brush pile. I catch those bass as they're starting to regroup to go back down to that brush pile so I can immediately catch another fish. Now, probably when you hook that fish, you're either going to bring the rest of them up with you or the rest of them are going to go back down but you're gonna catch another one almost immediately if you see them come up get that one in the boat as fast as you can fire that crankbait out there and you're gonna catch one almost instantly so that's a trick um there you go we did a trick already we did one trick and we're not even halfway through this i like it okay so now that's that's from now until later in the fall so now we're gonna now the water is actually noticeably starting to cool okay your weather temperatures my cat's outside trying to get in you can let him in if you if you if you want to let him in no i don't we've had the story of the cat i mean this is the rescue cat that you found at the tournament yeah it's exactly hotel room that you brought back i mean if he's if, if he's allowed in you're more than welcome to let him in uncle frank Oh, he's allowed in. She is. She's allowed in. So what happened was, this has nothing to do with spotted bass. Oh. Um, so what happened was, one day, I let, I let her out. We got some storms coming in. She jumped up and climbed up on the roof. Okay, so I'm on the second floor of the house. She climbs up to the second floor roof. And then she can't get back to the tree to get back down. And she started scratching at the window. So I said, well, I'll let her in. It's raining out. And she's afraid of thunder. So I let her in. And now she thinks it's another freaking way in the house. So now every time I let her out and she wants to come in, she runs to the daggone window and, and, you know, does her thing on the window. Anyway. You have no idea how funny I think it is that both you and Jeffries are cat people. Well, I, I became a cat guy because 
because of my travels. When I traveled all the time, I couldn't have a dog because I could never find someone to take care of it. And it was, it's a lot of trouble. But with a cat, you could put 50 pounds of cat food in a bowl and 20 gallons of water in bowls on the floor and the cat will take care of itself. Where a dog, if you put 50 pounds of cat or dog food in a bowl, the dog will eat every ounce of it the first time he goes to the bowl, puke it all up, and then, and you know what I mean. And that's how dogs are. So, anyway, that's how I became a cat guy. Back to Spotted Max. Yeah, let's go back, please. So, okay. So, the water's starting to cool. We're having, the days are getting much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're pretty much out of shorts for the most part. You're in long sleeve shirts and pants it's not frigid yet it's not full winter it's just yeah it's fall it's hunting season okay so now the spots are really moving with the bait the bait's really moving the spots are really moving remember go back and watch the blueback show threadfin show gizzard chad show um they're all moving towards the creeks now and they're moving there with a purpose okay so now we're going to focus on we're focusing on or near creek mouths, and we're still looking at structure, but we're changing up a little tiny bit of what we're looking for. So now bluffs, bluff ends, short, deep pockets, you know, where there's shortcuts and they're super steep, maybe in the beginning of a creek mouth or right in front of a creek mouth. Now we're starting to look at that stuff, but we're also not going to overlook shallower high spots or bars again in or near creek mouths where that bars come up fairly close to the surface um wind is good on those shallow bars and we're pretty much we're talking about first quarter of the creek at this point in time maybe a little less we're not quite getting a third of the way back or half of the way back we're still we're still in the beginning of this so we're still covering some main lake but we're focusing more towards the creek mouths. Okay, again, runoff areas. This is fabulous for runoff areas. So when I talk about bluffs, I always say bluff ends. I say it a million times, bluff Mm -hmm. ends, bluff ends, bluff ends. The bluff ends are critical. But the other critical thing that's often overlooked is what's going on on the bluff itself. I have a spot on Table Rock that essentially, if you look at it, it's just a bluff boom, bluff wall forever, okay? There's one section on this bluff wall where it has a flat that comes out, and then it drops off. So it's if you, if you hit that bluff wall before the flat, it's like 40 feet deep. You get to the flat. The flat's like 15 feet deep, and it comes out about 25 yards and then drops down, okay? So I look for irregularities on straight bluff walls because these are often overlooked areas and high percentage spots. Okay, so the other thing you look for on a bluff wall is cave-ins where you see debris that fell over and it makes like a gravel point that falls into the water. Mm-hmm. Or you look for cracks, fissure cracks, to be more specific, where the rainfall comes in and pummels the water down. So if we're going to talk bluff ends, okay, are, am I on the screen? You are on. This is the bluff end, okay? Yep. This is the bluff. This is the bluff end, all right? 
So you want to concentrate on the bluff ends, very important. And then, of course, if you have a crack or a fissure in the bluff wall, you look at that stuff. That's obviously a high percentage spot. Now, I told you earlier, look for what's going on on the bank. If you've got fallen trees and stuff, you have to start looking in. Now, this could be, you know, this could be, you know, 150 mm -hmm. yards long. I just shortened it up. So if you see fallen trees, you got to go look at that because dollars to a donut, there's trees underwater. And here. It's like a brush pile. What did we just say about brush piles? Exactly. A hundred percent. And of course, irregularities in that bluff where you got a crack or a fissure that comes in. Um, very important. Uh, that's a very important structural element in the world of spotted bass fishing. And it happens... It plays very important role in the fall, later in the fall, and in the spring. Like before the fish start to go to true pre-spawn areas, I've done very well fishing that way, especially on, you know, lakes like Smith Lake and stuff like that where there's you have tons of this stuff. The key is finding the right bluffs at the right time of year. And it's kind of similar because you're talking about late fall, the fish are going to the creeks. You're talking about early spring before pre-spawn, they're going to the creeks. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar. It's very similar. So um, again, uh, I'm going to say this again, a note, never overlook deep docks and never overlook brush piles. Spots love to suspend around this stuff. So Lure choices, we're going to have a lot of overlap, so I'm not going to really go into the overlap stuff so much, but uh, the lure choices for the most part are going to be very similar. Um, now I'm going to start to put in suspending jerk baits, uh, crank baits, of course, shaky heads, and then I'm going to start at this point in time. I like swim jigs, okay? Hmm. I don't fish the swim jig traditional style. I slow roll them like if I was fishing a flash mob junior. That's how I fish my swim jig. So this, this again, it's the mobster swim jig. Uh, this skirt color is called the numbers. It's got mouse on the back, a okay. little bit of blue glimmer, a little bit of white. You're Some, fishing it like a swim bait. It's just a bulkier swim bait. That's all I'm doing. And I'm slow rolling it. So I, so here's what I got to do. You have to pay attention to how deep the bait is or how deep the bass are because you don't want to be below them, okay? The aggressiveness of the bass, they'll let you know how high above them you could be and still get a strike. If you're six feet over their head and they're not coming for it, you got to slow it down. You got to get it down deeper, okay? So that's the whole trick with the swim jig. This is, this is one of my favorite ways to fish a swim jig, and for the most part, um, that's how I'm fishing them for the most part. Um, and then uh, of course you got your, you know, swim baits with jig heads and your underspins and everything else. Now here's a, here's a, here's a note. Um, I'll fish this, I'll fish this on shallow structure also. Yeah, that's pretty sweet right there. Dude. That's what a runoff looks like also, just in case you're correct. Wondering. That's a big runoff. That's a large runoff, but, but that's that a gives good you, one. Gives you a visual of what we're what mm -hmm. Frank is talking about. And if you see where the white waters are on here, they'll be when that rain stops and those quit running, 
there'll be no leaves on that that where that wa white water is no mm -hmm. leaves no debris um and you'll know it's an active one you'll know that gets going when it rains now that's really a large one most of the ones that i find are you know they're small you know 10 feet wide to a foot wide they're small but they'll pump water into the system um so basically the swim jig count it down same thing you would do if you were throwing a swim bait on a jig head okay. um just count it down make sure you're above the bass if you go below the bass, they're more likely than not, they don't go down to get them. If a, a fish is suspending, as you know from previous shows and a million conversations, they feed up. Suspending bass feed up. That's just the nature of the animal, and that's what they're doing there, and that's what they're looking for. So really, um, we're, we've, it's pretty simple up until the, the cold winter, okay? The cold water period is what I'll call it. Um, now, the cold water period, we'll just jump right into it. The cold water period, it can be tricky. Um, and the only reason it can be tricky is because you have to pay attention to a, a few things here, okay? If the creeks are clean and clear, the bluebacks and the threadfin will be up them, all right? Mm -hmm. Um you know that from the blueback show, blueback herring cannot tolerate sediment-filled water and dirty water. They cannot survive in them, okay? And threadfin hate it. So if you, are, if you go to a longer pocket and you run to the back of that thing and you see a mud line or a dirty water line, you, you don't need to go any farther back. If the lake's got thread fins and bluebacks on it, you don't need to go farther back because all those fish are following that mud line out, which actually makes the bass more predictable because they're going to stay with those fish. Okay, so as the mud line comes down and all the bait that was way up in the back start to come out, you're going to have this massive concentration of bait in a small area and the bass will be with them. So that kind of makes things predictable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, it's very important to know the dominant species of forage in your lake. It's very important because if the dominant bait fish species is gizzard shad, they'll be all the way up in the mud as far back as they can go. Because that's what they groove on. They like that. And they can survive in it. So you have to know what the prevalent bait fish is in your body of water. Or you're going to get, you know, you could be wrong, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in your assessment. So so that's that's just a side note. I'm watching this cat. It's crazy. That's a side note. So <laughs> Don't let him in. He's freaking out. All right. C can you hold the phone for a second? Yeah. Yeah, we got it. We'll put it on. Well, we could get some elevator music going while Frank gets I'm the sorry, cat in guys. the house. Hold on. <laughs> Uncle Frank has now left the studio to let the cat in through the window. Like I said, still drives me nuts that both Jeffries and Uncle Frank are cat fanatics. I think I've seen the windows open. 
Hat now seems to realize that it has options. Just because it can't come in, he's back. What is the what is the phrase? Happy cat, happy life. There he is. Look at that, dude. There he is, right there. Look at the little mitten paws. I didn't notice that last right? time. Look at that. I'm showing her off. Look at how. What's her name? Bama. Bama. Because he I got her in it. Alabama. Yeah, yeah that's a good. All right, get out of here. <laughs> okay, so where was I? I was in Know the Bait. You're talking fish about forge. yeah. You're talking about the Baitfish Forge, Threadfin, uh, Bluebacks. Don't like the mud. If a mud line's going, you don't have to go past it. It kind of herds the fish closer. Right if you have gizzards, that kind of changes things. They will get right up in the mud. The fish will follow them up there. I'm back. I'm back. Okay, so now here's what we're going to look for, okay? We're going to look for, again, short, steep pockets or guts. Um, the bass can suspend right over the middle of the creek channel in these things, and they often do, right, like literally right over the middle. Like over um, 50 foot of water, 15 to 20 foot down if there's a thermocline. Exactly. If it hasn't, it just kind of depends on where, but it's not a, it's not a science, Uncle Frank. No. You have it, to embrace the randomness. You have to because and you, and your locators are going to tell you if they're there mm -hmm. because you're going to see the bait fish suspending there and you'll see the bass streaking through the bait or just underneath the bait. So you'll be able to see this on your locator fairly easily. So again, I'm going to look for structure. So if I have that gut and the, let's say the defined creek channel is a little more to one side of the gut versus the other side, maybe there's a little high spot. On the opposite side, maybe it's a little flatter, then drops off. So, so here's what we'll do. Okay, so am I on? Is this whole thing on there? Yep. Okay, so this is a top view of our little pocket or little gut. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this spot right here is this spot right here. All right. So okay. you can you can see how the bait, the bass and the bait are going to position. They're going to be. The high spot that comes up, they're going to be on this, or they're going to be right where the last flat goes down into the river channel, and they're going to relate. Now, notice, I don't have anything on the gradual nothing side, mm -hmm. because that's not usually where they are. Because if they, if the bait runs, they could run the bait up and pin them against these things. And so it's an easy ambush spot, and for the most part, they're still going to relate to some type of structure or another. Okay. So okay. if, 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 if this is flash mob time, so my boat position is going to be here, which would put me about right there. Yeah. You're, you're casting, I'm casting over nothing, but it's not nothing. Right. A hundred percent. It's not nothing. It's so uncomfortable if you are used to flipping and pitching laydowns. Correct. Where you will be. Exactly. So this, this indicates boat position. This indicates how I'm casting. It's mm -hmm. see, it's not random. If somebody were to drive by you, they would look at you and go, look at that guy. He's casting nowhere. But <laughs> the bass are really using this stuff. It's yep. just they're using it deeper. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, um, the, the most important time in this cold water period, bait, bait, bait. Yep. It's all about the bait fish. If there's no bait fish there, there's no bass there. I don't care what anybody tells you. This is this is heavily predicated on bait fish. Mm -hmm. um, the crazy 
the crazy enough thing about winter, and I've experienced this on numerous spotted bass lakes, in the dead of winter, I have caught them mega shallow. You know why? Because the bait was there. No, it's because spotted bass are quirky. They're <laughs> they are they're a quirky few. But yeah, I have caught them very shallow in winter, like surprisingly shallow. Haven't there been classics on Hartwell in early, early March where the water was in the 40s? I remember it. And all of a sudden, in the guts over those spots that you just, and the guys are like, holy cow, they're schooling. Right. And it, because that's bluebacks. That's a But that's spotted bass. Right. And, and they're prevalent on the blueback herring. Okay. So, so that's an important thing. That's why it's important to understand that, you know, what your main forage is on spotted bass fisheries, especially spotted bass fisheries. Um, again, lure is pretty much the same. Um, wintertime, we're, we're typically flash mob junior suspending jerk baits, but now I'm going to use deeper suspending jerk baits like the perfect 10. Um, I, I use a 24A bomber that I make suspend. Um, because it gets down to about 11, 12 feet, I can get it down deeper on eight pound test line too. Um, that's just a little trick. Um, swim baits with a jig head work this time of year. Uh, traditionally though, if I'm, if I'm using a swim bait with a jig head in the winter time, I'm, I'm using the lightest possible jig head I can get away with because I'm barely going to creep it. I'm just going to make it just so it's just you know, moving around real slow and subtle, subtle, like, um, and again, swim jig, my, my, my swim jig with the swim bait trailer. Um, this is, this is one of my go-to baits in the winter time. So, um, you know, that's pretty much from fall to winter on spotted bass. I kind of made it quick and, um, I wanted to focus on a few key structural elements if you guys go back and watch the blueback herring show and the thread fin show and the gizzard shad show, this mm. is going to make immense, immense sense to you because you'll see how their similarities in that bait fish, how they're migrating. You'll see similarities in the bass, how they're following them. And remember that there's going to be overlap from resident fish to fish that do nothing but follow pelagics. Um, so you're going to have an overlap. So certain times of the year predicated on the bait fish movement, you're going to have even more fish in a smaller confined area. So that's pretty much, man, that's pretty much my spotted basket. Well, a couple, couple general. So let's say you're on a lake that has multiple species, like a table rock or any of those kind of East coast, a Norman, a Murray, a Hartwell or anything like that. Um, you're going to have spotted bass distributed throughout the system. But in my Absolutely. experience, if I'm going out and I want to target spots, which I do, I'm typically going to start at the lower end of the lake. It's going to be deeper. It's going to be clearer. Yeah. It's going to have more structural elements that the spotted bass relate to. It's just they like that habitat and in my course, experience. It's also the most stable part of it's the It's the most stable. It's going to have a bait fish population in it. So if I... And wanting to target, I will put in as close to the dam as I can, and then I will run up the first major creek arm adjacent to that dam and look for what you just described. Absolutely. And, and typically, 
you can run into some spots there and start. You know, we've done a bunch of shows, and you've done a bunch of shows that talk about it. Well, it's kind of hard when, you know, like a largemouth. You, there's a bunch of different large, but the, yeah. the, the spotted bass, although they move and they follow the bait and stuff, there are certain things that they like, like the brush piles, like the clearer water, like the adjacent to deep water. They suspend over certain things. They're always related to the bait. They're predictable, yet unpredictable. That doesn't make any sense, you know but you why? know what I mean? Because they're the quirky. Bait. Yeah, they're they are. Quirky. They're quirky. They're very quirky. <laughs> but that's just a general, and then and then apply. Um, the other thing with, with spotted bass is I think you can really dial it in off the water on high percentage areas for spotted bass, too, with Google Earth, as far as identifying those, as far as identifying bluff ends. And then using your Navionics, your mapping right. to identify high percentage areas. And it seems to me like spotted bass, it's easier to drive to those areas and get bit than it is with the largemouth. I, I, I feel like I get way more feedback from a spotted bass than I do with the largemouth, even though they can drive you nuts sometimes. They really like to suspend around areas where horizontal and vertical structure meet. A lot of times that's man-made. That's why you catch a lot of spotted basses on deep marina docks that go out over the deep water and the clear water that have cross beams, that have poles that go down, lock and dams, dam walls. Uh, break walls that have cables that come down on them. Horizontal vertical structure brings the bait fish in, and those spotted bass, like you said, relate to them. Not on them all the time, but around them. Exactly. And that's that's part of the reason I like spotted bass fishing so much, too, is because you can get rewarded in a hurry. If you make the right decision, you get rewarded. Um, there's no... There's no messing around with it. When I was younger, the only spotted bass we had here was on the Ohio River. We had one lake that had them in it, but it, they weren't, it wasn't like a massive population, but we did have one lake that had them in it. Um, and the Ohio River used to be a really good spotted bass fishery. And then it kind of cycled, okay, where you started catching a mixed bag, largemouth and spotted. Then smallmouth started coming into the mix. And now, especially our northern pools, they're predominantly smallmouth pools. Um, and, our, and our southern school, schools, our uh, pools are predominantly largemouth now. Um, the spotted bass kind of, they're still there, but they're not there in you know, mass like they used to be when I was a kid. We used to go down there and just slaughter the spotted yeah. bass. And listen, we need to to put a little bit of a disclaimer on this because when you do the the smallmouth shows, you're you're you primarily talk about Great Lakes smallmouth, northern smallmouth, how they relate natural lakes. Now, there's different strains like what works up north doesn't work on Texoma for those smallies, doesn't work on Wheeler for those TV in some instances, but they set up right. differently because of those elements. I think they're totally different strains. There are numerous different strains of spotted bass too you have the coosa spot that alabama spot like yes. on, on lake jordan or lake jordan depending on where you're from they get up there in the water willow they behave remarkably similar to largemouth and yeah. then they also behave like spotted bass too but there's some that like thrive in the shallow off-colored water right. especially in the tva then you've got more that well that's the same strain as the california that's like kokanee completely related to different bait fish out there i i don't think either of us have experience on california no. spots mm -hmm. but then we're talking about what primarily you're talking about that ozark region through that kind of midwest to the east to the carolinas that type of spotted bass not those freakish 
Coosa River chain spots, <laughs> although I or did, Alabama I, River spots. Although I did have such a good time fishing those river spots down there. Oh, they're weird. They're oh, they're bizarre, crazy thing. They're different fish. They're longer. They're they're just. God, I mean, it was, I had a lot of fun down there doing it. Um, back then Bassmasters made some rule up about some, if we finished in the top 20, we had a, all the divisions had to go down there for a fish off, um, which kind of irritated me. Cause I think I finished fourth or fifth in the points. And then I had to go fish off against the top <laughs> 20 in every division. And I was smoking pissed, but, um, and I wound up down there. I think I finished 17th down there um, fishing those Coosa River spots. And it was a freak show. Um, I, I wound up, the pattern that I got on was little sandbars and gravel bars. And I was throwing, I'll tell you exactly what I was throwing. I was throwing a Norman middle end and a crazy shad and a spinner bait. And that was, that was the deal. That was the deal. And I, I literally ran down the river and every time I said, there should be fish over there, pull over, bam, bam, bam. It was, it was unbelievable. A very predictable fish, ferocious animals. Um, those river spots fight like they have the will to live. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was one of, it was a real lot of fun. We'll show the difference here. So this is, uh, (laughs) The, You're laughing. Well, it's just it's it's comical what I'm going to show here. Uh, this is this is that California spot, which is the Coosa. That's oh, Cody yeah. Water. Like that's we're not talking about those. We're not catching those. No, those that are... exists one place on Earth, and only one place on yeah. Earth. So then, this is what the Coosa spot looks like. Hold on, let me. It's a very long animal. Yep. Here, let me show this. See how it's more, it's like long, lean, more bullet shaped, a little creamier color on it. A lot, very defined uh, lateral line on it. And then the typing tutor from my younger days is paying off. And see, Uh, and and those look like a lot like the Lake Norman spotted bass, too. Right, but then here is that guy's caught a few. But see how that's a short squat fish, lot smaller mouth, bigger gut on it, creamy colored belly. That's probably a table rock bass right there. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree with that. So kind of three different. All spots all all behave similarly. Those cooses are, are just a little bit different. Uh, what what I want to do before we wrap things up? You've mentioned a bunch of baits. Uh, if someone is like, Hey, I know there's a spotted bass Lake. I've always kind of targeted the largemouth or whatever. I want to put together a little arsenal of spotted bass lures. I want you to run through it again and see if I've got it. So, uh, let's start with the moving bait. So crankbaits, it seems you've mentioned a couple of times, big fan of the deep little end for spotted bass. Right. Uh, now the, my, the, I do deep crank them. Right. I, I do deep crank them. I, I did. I mashed them on DD 22s on right. Hartwell, but day in and day out to, to it, get bites and numbers that applicable for a lot right. of spotted bass fisheries. So, deep so little what end. I'll do, what I'll do is a deep little end and a middle end. Okay. Okay. Um, 
as far as the crankbaits go. Uh, the top waters, that's pretty easy. I go Super Spooks, Super Spook Juniors, Boyos, and Crazy Shads. Um, because Spotted Bass love prop baits, by the way. Okay. They absolutely love prop baits. So, so I'll do that. Um, but if you had to pick one, it sounds like the Boyo. I mean, even if you're catching those 10 to... Because a lot of times you don't have giant spots, but you can go catch a ton of them and have fun. Right, but I can't. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. In in my heart and soul, I couldn't tell you t- to pick one. I okay. would say if you had to do two, I would go Super Spook Junior and and Boyo. Okay. If I had deep to little two, end, middle end, Super Spook Junior and Boyo. So there's top. There's the crank. Right. So now, obviously, the obvious traditional stuff: uh, shaky head, drop shot football jig, regular jig, you know, that stuff is, you guys have that. Yeah. You can do your thing with that. Um, as far as, uh, drop shot baits go, um, I'm only now starting an experiment with the FF minnow because they just came out. But, um, you know, I used to use a four inch finesse worm or a six and a half inch finesse worm. Um, simple, simple, real simple, uh, spinner baits, um, if I'm burning them over windy points, um, I'll go double willow or willow Colorado combo. Um, war Eagles are all good. Uh, th- obviously, um, the covert series is good. Um, but what I'll do there is I want to pick translucent skirts, um, representation skirts. I don't want to, I won't go with a heavy chartreuse white you know pure chartreuse white i'll I'll keep it translucent i might have chartreuse in the mix but it's not going to be a hard hard skirt i want them to get a glimpse of that bait know it's alive but not be able to tell exactly what it is okay and Um, then the offshore stuff that you were talking that's your your umbrella your flash mob jr yeah, you can't forget spoons that time of year either, because if you're on 2D sonar and you see them directly under you, that spoon gets down there right now. You see Flab the whole spoon, seven eighths ounce War Eagle or the Cordell. Yeah, the CC spoon, um, three three quarters on the CC, and then War Eagle seven eighths. It goes right down to the business, and you just stop it right above them, stroke it up. You see the line on your locator, and. You'll know in two seconds flat if they're aggressive on it. And then the Scottsboro, the little bitty Scottsboro. The on little a ball bitty, head. yeah, the Scottsboro on a ball head, or even the FF minnow on a ball head. But like I said, I'm only now starting to experiment with the FF minnow, but the Scottsboro on a ball. That head. little three inch swim bait on a ball head. We've talked a lot about all this stuff. If you right. were to go out with one thing tied on to target spotted bass. Is that what you have in your hand right there, what you're going with? If your back's against the wall and says you can only have one thing tied on this time of the year, are you going with that? Yeah, if my back's against the wall, I'm going to have this on a ball head and this on a, a underspin. Okay. And I'm going to live on it. If, if I can only throw it, if that's the only bait I can throw, that's what I got. And because, we can't forget jerk baits too. No, and then jerk baits... Um, I've caught so many spotted bass on jerk baits. I can't even begin to tell you um, how many. I don't even know. Uh, I really don't. Um, it's just 
they just can't handle that thing suspending over their head going crazy down there. Um, I do well on the perfect tens. I did well on the rogues. Um, I've thrown jackals and done well on those. The old Excalibur TX3 is my all-time favorite, though. Uh, they, they don't make that bait anymore. It's discontinued. It comes in at about three and an eighth inches long. It suspends beautifully. It has a really good, when you, when you shake it, it has a really good side-to-side movement. Um, that's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, the Bomber 24A, I modify it. That's another one of my favorites because I can get that thing to do crazy stuff down there. So, I mean, I don't make it complicated, even though it might sound complicated. I really don't. Um, my jerk bait fishing is pretty simple. Good stuff. Makes me want to go catch spotted bass. I swear, dude. Frankie's out right now smallmouth fishing, and I'm so jealous. I'm, like, losing my mind right now. (laughs) I was trying to think, have there ever been any major tournaments won where it's like, I mean, has has Table Rock, has there ever been a major tournament won on all spots on Table Rock, or has it always been like a mixed bag, or Bull Shoals or anything? Like Ever since I could remember, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. It's not that, I don't know if you, yeah, I think you could win it on all spots if you're on the right ones, but there's the smallmouth fishing in Table Rock's starting to get good. Mm-hmm. The largemouth fishing obviously is off the hook. Now, I've caught some enormous spotted bass on Table Rock. Mm-hmm. Enormous, like over But it's hard pounds. to get all the limits in multiple days. Now, Lake Norman, yeah. Lake Murray, Lake Hartwell, you yeah. can do it on spots. Traditionally, the winner has a bigger one or two big largemouth yeah. in his bag. But yeah. depending on the time of the year, the spots can play there. Right like full, full out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Ohio River, my God, if it's 12 inches, you don't care what species it is, it's going <laughs> in the box. Exactly. Exactly. Anymore. <laughs> hey, we fish for big fish here. <laughs> I hear you. All right, well, this has been another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish and his new custom-engraved BTL Uncle Frank mug. We had an appearance by Bama the Cat. We learned how to catch spotted bass over the next three or four months overall. A very productive day four with Frank Scalish. All right, we'll be back live next week. See ya. Out. Out.